0: Good morning. Well, Father, I thank you that your faithfulness is not only beyond what we deserve, it's beyond what we can comprehend. When I look at our lives, I look at my life, and I see your faithful hand when I didn't care whether you were faithful or not. You were faithful to me. You were good to me. You protected me and provided for me. We thank you for that, for each one of us this morning, for your love and for your care for us and your consistency in your interactions with our life. We ask this morning that you would just turn lights on in our heart, that we can get a glimpse of all that you are and all that you've done, that our heart will be transformed, that Christ will be further formed in our heart. We bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're just speeding right along here. Another year will be in five. All right, I got questions for you. All right, write these down or commit them to memory, whichever is easiest for you. First question you know, what word or phrase stands out as relevant to your life? As you listen this morning, what word or what phrase or what thought grabs your heart? Speaks to you. It's relevant to you and what's going on in your life. Okay? Here's the second one. Can you name, as we go through this, can you name three things that Christ accomplished in the cross that are relevant and practical to your life? Okay? Name three things that Christ accomplished at the cross that are relevant and practical to your life today. Right? Name three things that Christ accomplished at the cross that are relevant and practical in your life. And here's the third one Ask the Father to give you a revelation of Christ. Ask the Father. As you listen, just, I mean, you're listening to me, I hope, but more importantly, I hope you're listening to the Father. And ask Him as you're listening to Him. Father, give me a revelation of Jesus. And we have this information about him, but we want that to become revelation. We want it to be real in our life. And only the Father can do that. Only the Father can enlighten our hearts for that. Okay, those three questions. Now, we've been in Galatians. I want to just give you a quick background about this for those of you that maybe have forgotten or weren't here. Paul is writing the book of Galatians. Because he met the Lord, came to know Christ. He was a persecutor of the church. He had papers from the Roman government, from the high priest actually, to destroy the church. And on his road, on his way to doing that, Christ revealed himself to him. And it absolutely changed Paul's life. He had a revelation of Jesus. And when that happened, when he saw who Jesus was and he saw what God had done through Jesus, it absolutely changed his life. Not everybody was happy about that. The Gentiles were scared to death about that. The, the, The church was scared about that because they had seen him persecuting the church and they thought, what a minute, you're changing sides here. We're not too sure about that. So they were... Very concerned that it was legitimate. I can relate to that. When I met the Lord, the church that I attended, the office personnel took bets to see how long it would last. So I can understand being skeptical whenever someone is so radically lost and now all of a sudden they're radically saved. But not only were the, was the church concerned about it, the Jewish people were concerned about it as well. Because in their mind, they were, he was betraying everything they stood for. And all through Paul's life, there were Jewish, some were Jewish believers, some were just Jews, who set it as their goal in life to challenge and destroy everything Paul did. So much so that they would follow him into the cities that he went to so much so that they would come in after he left and they would challenge what he said. They would challenge his authority. They would say, it's not true. He's telling you that faith in Jesus alone will result in salvation. We're telling you that's not enough. You have to be circumcised and you have to continue to keep the law of Moses. Only then will you come into righteousness with God. Many believe that even whenever he talks about that God had given him a thorn in the flesh that afflicted him. There are many that believe the thorn in the flesh was these guys following him around. They were constantly goading him. They were constantly challenging him. They were constantly confronting what he was teaching. Whether it was or not, I don't know. But I know even up until Paul's death, they were had as their mission to challenge what he said but paul had had a revelation of jesus and when that happened nothing else mattered he was never the same he was sold out to his relationship with christ now i want to talk about that that picture just for a minute the revelation of jesus because if you we know who Jesus was, we know what he did, we know he came to live, we know they crucified it. we know they died. he died on the cross, we know that he rose from the grave, and so we have this information about him. But what Paul had was beyond that. He knew Jesus had lived, he knew Jesus had died, he knew Jesus had either raised or they had pulled him out of the grave, and it made no difference in his life whatsoever, But whenever Jesus revealed himself to him, he was never the same again. It absolutely changed his life. There is a premise that circles around in certain areas of Christianity that talk about the natural part of what Christ did. Even to the point of, saying like this, you see Jesus, you need to stop and you need to meditate on Jesus on the cross and you need to focus on that and you need to dwell on that and you need to think on that and you need to remember that and you need to be reminded of that and you need to have that image all throughout your house that that Jesus was on the cross and that he suffered for you. And the natural observation, just looking at that in the natural, it stirs emotion. It stirs sympathy. It stirs, stirs grief. When you look at what happened to Jesus, many of you saw the movie, The Passion, and you saw what happened to him there, and it stirs that grief and that pain and that emotion. But very seldom... Does it ever produce real, lasting change? The emotion fades. The grief fades. All of the angst about that fades. I remember when I was a little kid. I mean, little kid. Probably eight years old, maybe even a little younger than that. My mother, we had this book, and it was stories of the Bible. And about every 12th page, there was a picture. And uh, I remember when my mother would get to the part about them crucifying Jesus, there was a picture of Jesus on the cross. Oh, I just cried. That just broke my heart. How could they do that to Jesus? But there was no permanent change. Because everything that I looked at, everything that I observed, is what took place in the natural. What took place was in the obvious. And it's very easy to become enamored with Jesus on the cross. And it stirs us in our heart. And being captured by the image of Jesus on the cross has inspired many great works. Many people observe that and they're so broken about it that they feel like they need to give their life working for Jesus. But until the revelation, until the revelation comes of what was accomplished. In that action, there will never be a permanent change in our hearts. Something, something not only happened in the natural. Jesus died on the cross and then, you know, all of that. That's the natural part of it. But there's something that happened in the heavenlies. There's something that happened in the spiritual realm that took place. And when Paul saw that, it blew his doors off. Yes, there was Saturday. Christ died on the cross, but there's always Sunday when the tomb was empty and what he did was accomplished and finished. That's the revelation Paul had. It just wasn't just the information that, yes, this good man came and lived and died, and now they say he rose from the grave. Oh, I better do something about that. It was Christ had being revealed to him by the Spirit of God that 's what Paul says when he says, "I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you 'll see beyond the natural into the spiritual, into the realm of the reality to what took place because of what Jesus did on the cross, and that 's what i 'm asking you to ask the Father to give you. Father, give me that revelation. I see the cross, I see him on the cross okay that 's good let 's take him off the cross, but I still see the cross but I want to see behind that. I want to see what you did in Christ that affected me now. And that's what Paul's trying to say to the church at Galatia. God did some things. In that work, in that natural expression, there were some things that took place in the heavenlies. It was a revelation. The only way to grasp it is if the Spirit of God reveals it to you of how complete and how total it was. The revelation shows. It's very easy. It's very easy to look in the natural and it would be very easy to conclude that's a defeat. Here comes Jesus. He promised all this stuff. They kill him. He dies. They put him in a grave. Seal the door. End of story. And I imagine the devil danced on the top of the stone. I was teaching something, sharing something with Eve yesterday about some, trying to let her see some realities about what God has done and how she can live in that. And I, and I said, you know, when, 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 the, when the disciples, when they see what Jesus did, it was like, whoopee! And she looked at me real funny and she said, do you mean you think the disciples went, whoopee! I said, yeah, they went whoopee. I'd have gone whoopee. And you look at the enemy, and you see him dancing on the stone. I won, I defeated him. And then they came and took him out of the grave so that it would look like he rose. But then he shows up and ruins all of that in their presence. That was the revelation of Jesus that Paul had. It's the revelation that he prays that we have, that we'll have that revelation of who Jesus was. And so he writes this book in Galatians, and he lists at least eight different pictures, examples, illustrations of what Christ did to free us from the influence of the law. And we've talked about a couple of those. One was he simply declared it. There's no righteousness by keeping the law. Then he showed that the death in Christ fulfill the law. And since we died in Christ, we fulfill the law. So we're not obligated to the law. Dead men walking, that's us, dead to the law. That we might be alive to God, free from the law. To walk in grace and to walk in love and to walk in his acceptance. He declared it. He revealed the death in Christ that fulfills the law. Didn't annul it. Paul just didn't up one day say, "Yeah, we ain't doing the law no more. It's too hard. Let's just dump it. He understood that Christ satisfied everything the law demanded. And since I was in Christ, I satisfied everything that the law demanded, and that frees me from it. All right. Now, then he says in, Romans, in Galatians chapter 3, he uses another Premise, He asked this question. How did you receive the spirit of God? He asked the Galatians. How did you receive the spirit of God? Did you receive it through keeping the law and through works? Or did you receive it through faith? In Galatians chapter three, verse one. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. That's the public. That's the natural. That's the obvious. That's the scene. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? Indeed, it was in vain. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Here's what he asked. Did you come to know Christ? Did you receive the Spirit by trying to keep the law? And the answer is a resounding no. No. He's asking, did you keep the law? Were you able to keep the law? And did that result in you receiving the Spirit? The answer is no. Trying to keep the law did not result in the Spirit entering their life And trying to keep the law did not result in the Spirit entering your life. And so Paul then asked, Why do you think trying to keep the law will keep him actively working in your life if keeping the law didn't bring him to your life? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. How did the Spirit come to live in me? Did He come through faith or did He come by works? How will the Spirit continue to work in my life? Will He do that through works or will He do it through faith? You see, there's a prevailing rule in every religion, there's a prevailing rule in the Christian religion. It goes something like this You may have gotten saved by grace, but now it's time to keep the rules. And now it's time to say all the right words. Now's the time to use all the right phrases. Now's the time to claim the right verses. Now is the time to jump through all the hoops. Now is the time to check all the boxes if you want the Spirit to keep working in your life. That's an unspoken rule. We don't ever really say that. We constantly say, well, you're saved by grace. Now get busy working. Paul says, absolutely not. The Spirit came through faith, and he will continue to work by faith. Okay? The Spirit came into me because I did what? Believed. Surrendered trusted, yielded to Jesus. And the spirit of God came to live inside of me. He didn't come because I finally measured up. He didn't come because he says, you know, he's got his little tally sheet up there. No, no, no. Hey, today's a good day. You got it all right. I'm gonna come live in you. He didn't take that approach. He came because I met him and trusted him and believed that what he said was true. Well, how's he going to keep working in my life? Well, you're going to have to hold your mouth just right. You're going to have to use all the right terminology, and you're going to have to do this. And you... What have we just said? We've said you might get saved by grace, but you, the Spirit of God keeps working in your life through works, through getting it all right. Well, verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? Well, he gives us a hint right here. Hearing with faith. Romans ten seventeen makes it even more clear. He says, faith, comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. But where does hearing come from? Then he says, hearing comes from a word of Christ. And that word there for word is rhema, and it means a specific word for a specific situation. How do I have faith? I hear God for a specific situation and I believe God, that's faith. How did I get saved? God spoke to my heart. We might not recognize it. We might call it conscience. We might call it conviction, call it whatever we want. But God quickened our heart, and he showed me some things. He showed me I was lost. He showed me I had no hope without Jesus. He showed me he was the only solution to that. He showed me that surrender to him was the only way to correct all of that, and faith came. Why? Because I believed what he said. Faith is not something that you grunt and groan and work up. Now think about that. I had to work to get my faith. That doesn't even make sense. I had to do all the right things to get my faith. That's the opposite of what he's saying when he came to how did we receive the Spirit. We believed God. And so as we seek the Father to find out what he wants, we hear what he wants to say. And when we hear what he wants to do, we cooperate with him and believe, and that's faith. It's believing what God tells me for a specific situation. It's not just, well, I believe the Bible is true. Well, look, the devil believes it's true. He's a character in a lot of it, but he doesn't have faith. He's not obedient to what God says. I want to ask you a question. When in those moments, maybe you would say, well, there was a moment, I don't know about moments, but in those moments that you're walking in peace and you're walking in confidence and you're seeing God's favor on your life, however you define that, when those moments, when you're walking in confidence, And you're seeing God's favor on your life. Is it because at that moment you feel like you're doing a pretty good job at keeping the rules and God is now rewarding you? Oh, you've been praying. Good. You've been witnessing. Good. You've been reading your Bible. Good. I can favor your life now because you've done all the things right. Good for you. Because you've done such a good job, I'm going to bless you. Do we have that posture? Do we think in the back of our mind, I'm doing pretty good here. You know, this. I, I can do this Christian thing. I can walk this thing. Or it's because you're aware that any favor that comes to your life is because of what Christ has accomplished, period. Now, one results in self-righteousness. I got this. I can do this. One results in humility and thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done and what you're saying and what's happening in my life. Is it based on how I'm doing? Or is it based on what Christ has done? Now, let me ask you this. How about in those moments when you're walking in frustration, confusion, anxiety, depression, and you can't find God's favor anywhere in your life, however you define that? Nobody likes you. You're all alone. You're the only one that's ever had this problem. And there's stress and anxiety and impatience. Is it because you feel at that moment you've done a pretty bad job of keeping all the rules and God is now withholding his favor? Well, Here's the way you'll know. Is your answer to all of that? I got to pray more. I got to study more. I got to read more. I got to go to church more. I got to memorize more scripture. I, is the answer to that issue in my life? I've got to do more? Or is the answer? God, I look at all you've done for me. I don't feel like it. I am bummed out. I am tired. I'm anxious, but you know what? You are gracious to me. Your loving kindness is everlasting. And I'm going to believe and I'm going to embrace what you say is true in my life. Do I always attach life's events to, quote, I must be doing something right or I must be doing something wrong? That's an indication that we think it's necessary for us to keep all the rules in order to get God to favor us and for us to have the Spirit working in our life. Listen, I was never taught to believe that God was gracious to me because of what Jesus did and nothing else. I was never taught that. It was always attached to how I was doing. Are you doing good? You'll be receiving favor. You're not doing good. God withholds his favor. You haven't measured up. Oh yeah, you're saved. You're a child of God. I gotta let you in heaven, but right now you're a mess. No favor for you. No grace for you. I was never taught to believe that Christ, I was never taught to believe that what Christ had done was the key to living in grace. I was taught that what Christ did was the answer to me being forgiven, but I was never taught that what Christ did is the answer to me living in victory and confidence today. It was always a past event was never taught that I could receive God's righteousness. Receive it. Receive his favor. Receive his power. Receive his sonship. And receive his love. Because of what he accomplished. And not because I was dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. That's revelation. When you catch that. It was more strive to accomplish than to receive what was done it was like there was a bunch that was left undone now it's up to you to make it up instead of the understanding you know what christ did it all i can't add to it i can't subtract to it what he wants me to do is to welcome it and receive it in my life and tell myself the things that god says are true instead of the things i conjure up in my mind the what ifs the how about the this could have it maybe telling myself what god said is true and walking in that everything paul talked about in all of his letters comes out of that perspective he is consistent it's christ 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 every letter Every for every chapter, everything that he wrote was to communicate to them the completeness of what Christ had done, and now that that revelation will change our life, and we can live in that. That what Christ that accomplished, Christ accomplished it all. It's not by man's attempt. Now listen to me. Behavior comes out of a revelation of Christ. Behavior comes out of a revelation of Christ. That was Paul's life. What changed Paul? The revelation of Christ. What did Paul walk in? The revelation of Christ. What did he write about? The revelation of Christ. All that Christ had done. That changes lives. Not trying harder. How has trying harder worked for you? And if you say, well, some days I get it and some days I don't. Guess what? It's an indication I'm still walking in the law. Some days I got it together. Some days I don't. Some days I can pull it off. Some days I can't. But you know, it is up to me. Instead of just receiving it, welcoming it into my heart. Behavior comes out of a revelation of what Christ did. All right, one more time. I will do this one, in, uh, the fourth one. Then Paul reminds them of the promise God gave Abraham. All right, look in verse six. Even so, Abraham <clears throat> believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, I want you to look with me in Genesis because I want you to see what he believed, all right? Look with me in Genesis chapter 15. Verse 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. He's not Abraham yet. Came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Abraham's Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and heir of my house of Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then be, God had just made these promises to Abraham. And Abram, and Abram says, I, I, I don't, how am I going how do I know this? Verse 4, the angel of the Lord said, this man will not be your heir. One who will come forth from your body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look up toward the heavens. Count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned to him as righteousness. What did he believe? He believed what God said that he was going to do. That was it. That was it. God came to him, and he says, listen, I know you're old, and Sarah's advanced in years. He didn't don't use old with ladies. They're advanced in years. But, Abram, you're old. And I know you don't have any descendants, that are your children, but I want you to know something. I'm going to do something that's going to blow your doors off. Come out here and with me and look at the stars. See all those stars? You're not going to be able to count those any more than you're going to be able to count all of your descendants who come from you directly. And Abram's response was, okay, I believe that. And God said, you are now right with me because you have believed what I said. Now, look what he says, verse 6, Galatians 3. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Now, the, one of the perspectives of the Jewish, the religious part of it was that if you can trace your ancestry back directly to Abraham, then you are part of the chosen ones and you are right with God if you can make that connection and you keep the law. Jesus came along and he refuted that. I mean, he challenged that six six ways, you know, up one side and down the other. He said, no, that ain't it. It's faith. Therefore, he says, Be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Just because you can trace your lineage back to Abraham in the natural does not mean that you are a son of faith. The connection is Abraham believed God and he was counted righteous. If you believe God, you will be counted righteous and be of the lineage of David, I mean, of Abraham in the spiritual sense. Not in the natural. It, it's like saying, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I used to ask people, "Are you a Christian?" Well, I was born in America. Okay. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm not a Muslim. No, what are you a Christian? Well, I'm not a a Jew. What, what are you a Christian? Well. I'm I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. And we have all these qualifiers that say I've got this connection back there and I'm not a Muslim, I'm not a Hindu, I'm not a Buddhist. What's left? I'm not a Jew. I guess I'm a Christian. Cuz I'm born in America, Christians America's a Christian nation. So, yeah, I'm a Christian. Always trying to tie, well, my parents, always trying to make that connection. But somehow that qualifies me now to be right with God. And Paul challenges that. He said, just because you can find your lineage in Abraham doesn't mean anything because it wasn't the natural lineage that made us sons of God. It was the faith that they believed God that connects us to Abraham, makes that connection real. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. Now let's go back. Look in Genesis chapter 12. See where this came from. God has this encounter with Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, in verses uh, 1 through 3, he says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. This is important. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm not going to make you nations. I will make you a nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse. And in all the families of the earth will be blessed. He says, I'm going to make you a nation. And in that, you are going to be a blessing to nations. Singular singular nation, plural, the blessing. Another understanding that the Jews had was this. We've chosen, we're descendants of Abraham, we're it. If you want to be it, you've got to become like us. What they missed was, was God said the blessing is to nations, not just you. What makes that blessing applicable? Faith in Christ, faith in God, believing God, the same way Abram believed God and became a blessing. And now because of that, he was gonna bless other nations. So he challenges their idea that promise was by faith, lineage and not faith he challenges the premise that they were the only ones to have it and then he says the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to abraham saying all the nations will be blessed in blessed in you so then those who are of faith are blessed with abraham the believer he said it's about faith it's not about lineage it's not about being connected. It's about believing God and trusting Him. And He challenged every one of the things that the Jews believed. They were the only nation. They did not understand, even to this point, I'm not sure Peter ever grasped it, but to this point, they never understood, yes, God blessed you, yes, God favored you, yes, God chose you, and he chose you in order that he might bless every nation on the earth who believes him. But they thought, no, it's just us, and if you're going to be blessed, you got to be like us. God's saying, you're missing the point. It's believing God. It's trusting him, accepting all the things that he's done. All right, let's look at our questions. We're going to go on next week in verse 10, and there's uh, four more that we're going to finish. But let me ask you these questions. What word or phrase stands out as relevant to your life? Anything stand out at you? Anybody?
1: Revelation of Jesus.
0: Revelation of Jesus. Seeing what he done. Susan, somebody get this thing, right? Don't make him walk.
1: Don't Don't make him walk. Um, Behavior, you know, is a result of revelation of Jesus. So, you know, Paul used to always say, why do you expect the unredeemed to act redeemed? Which means, you know, why do you expect those that haven't had a revelation of Jesus for their behavior to change, right? So applications for two things. One, of course, a classroom. Obviously, I'm going to think that way. And we've talked a lot in the building where I'm working right now about how to, how to help our kids Not do what they have to do because they have to do it out of fear or law, because we're talking a lot about Christ fulfilling the law in our classrooms right now. But outside of a revelation of Christ, we're never going to obey out of love. We're going to obey out of fear because perfect love casts out fear. Same thing with the revelation of Christ is going to change the behavior, which explains why Paul walks around the house all the time saying, Lord, let her see you, let her see you, let her see you so my behavior will change. <laughs> anyway, two applications are. All right. See, who got that.
0: Okay, you going to run for me? One in the back, there you go. See, this is the thing. Love is a much better regulator of behavior than rules. Now, there's a place for rules. We're going to discover that next week. There's a place for law. But it's not in the life of a believer.
2: Um, God showed me, um, you know, something for the revelation of Jesus through this. And um, In Galatians 1.13, he says, You have heard about my past and the Jewish religion. I prosecuted the church of God very much. I tried to destroy God's people. Um, and so... To me, I believe, I believe that religion tries to do that, tries to destroy God's people. Um, you know, how many, how many gay people do you think have been turned away? How many people with a different political opinion? How many felons? How many yeah. addicts? Um, and it, Alex told me about this video he saw on social media the other day. It was this uh, young woman, and she had begun transitioning, um, like taking hormones to become a man. And, uh, her family turned her away. They stopped talking to her and she, she said that one day her parents just called her randomly and asked her to come over for dinner and she asked them why they did that. And they said, because God told us to, and she is now, she said, you know, she was struggling with identity and she said that showed her, her identity in Christ. And so she's no longer You know, transitioning and, um, and so that just, that to me, loving someone despite, or loving someone in their mistakes or Mm -hmm. their decisions, um, is a revelation
3: of Christ. Mm
0: -hmm. That's very good. That's very good.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is perfect coming off of what you just said. We have been building relationship in our community. We have a lot of, um, gay and lesbian couples. And last night we got to have a lesbian couple on our porch. Um, And I got to share Jesus with them, and it was incredible. They shared their past, their hurts, their hang-ups from church, from religion, from rules. Rules and the way that they grew up, um, it just all being about rules and the works. Works. (laughs) Just so sad to see how they'd been hurt and turned away. But I got to share Jesus and just tell them how my, my story, my testimony of why I believe. Wow, and it was so really, cool. really cool. I just,
4: that's so
0: I'm cool. just reminded
3: by that. The works of the law or by hearing with faith.
0: That's good. You've heard, you've, we, I've used this phrase a bunch of times, but it's just so true. You know why most people don't go to church? Because they've been. And they're saying, you know what? I don't need that. I got guys down at the bar that'll let me pull my heart out to me and then buy me a beer. And I do that in a a typical church. I'm done. Done. We're not that expression of Christ. We're not that expression of Christ that he wants us to be. And that's going to only come by a revelation of who he is. Alright, here's the next question. Can you name three things that Christ accomplished at the cross that are relevant Wait. and practical to your life? Wait. Oh, hey, hey Adam. <laughs> Sorry, man. Go ahead. I've
5: I've talked about it before, but I mean I just it's it's so so big in my life, like growing up in this church, you know, like we're not taught those rules, I guess, you know. We're not, it's not forced upon us. It's like, if the Lord leads you to, to, you know, be all in your Bible and constantly praying, then do that. But don't give yourself this guilt. Don't give yourself this unhealthy conviction because you're not. And like, even you talking about like, you know, whenever you lose your way and you come back, the Lord's not like, what? how could you? You're messy. He's like, yay, welcome back. That's right. Like, that's so big to me because I hear all the time people turned away from the church, you know. Like, oh, you're an issue. Um, Pastor at the Oaks worded it best, but he said that, like, people are being told you're the problem and not that's your solution. That's right. And it's just so big to me that I was able to grow up somewhere like that. That's good. I mean, I was kind of shielded away from all that, you know, conviction, that unhealthy stuff. So it's amazing. That's good. Yeah.
0: Michael, here's what up here, Mike.
6: Um, Luke 24, <clears throat> um, you know, the end of Luke, when, when Jesus is walking with these, these guys on the road to, you know, 17 miles to this town, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and, he's talk, and he says, you know, what are you guys going on about all sad and gloomy? And they say, where have you been? Haven't you heard of all the stuff that's been happening? There was this guy, Jesus from Nazareth. He performed these miracles. He was an amazing guy. And he was killed and he was thrown in in this grave. And they're saying he's risen, but who knows? And so Jesus says, man, you guys are thick-headed. Haven't you read the prophets? It says in verse 27, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself through the scriptures. Later they say, why didn't we recognize him? Mm -hmm. Weren't our hearts burning with holy passion when he was telling us those scriptures and he was reciting to us the prophets? It wasn't just the Bible or Torah, but for them, it wasn't the Bible that gave them the revelation. Even though Jesus was telling them, here's all the the prophecies and here's how they were fulfilled. It wasn't until they sat down with him and he blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to them, that their eyes were opened. And that's when he was unveiled. That's right. That's when he was revealed to them.
0: Yeah, if you don't don't think people are already aware of their problems, ask yourself, why is alcoholism so rampant? Why is pornography so rampant? Why is drug addiction so rampant? That's attempts at people easing the pain of their problem. They know there's a problem there. What they want to hear somebody say is, "Boy, have I got some good news for you." Okay, uh, Haley. Oh, we'll get there. Go ahead.
7: With what Mike said, um, my stepdad very much lives off of like scripture, and like anytime a problem comes, he's he's spitting scripture at me. And um, he's Southern Baptist, so he doesn't really he relies strongly on like the Bible and what the Word says. Um, Compared to where um, and he gets frustrated with me because i don 't have like all these mem- all these like memorized and um, we were me and him got in a really big fight the other day because that I was trying to tell him that like whenever i 'm reading scripture i 'm praying about it, and then the Lord leads me where in the Bible I need to go, and then through that scripture then i 'm hearing what he says through the scripture, if that makes sense
0: that makes a lot of sense
7: and um, so um And he was telling me that, like, well, I'm just supposed to go from Genesis to Revelations and, like, front to back. And I was like, but if I'm just reading through Genesis and just reading Scripture because I'm just trying to, like, get to know the facts, that's not growing my relationship. And that's kind of what I took.
0: You have to be careful that we don't read the Bible to get points, even just our own point. Okay, I did that. You know, it's a conversation. It's a relationship with the Father.
4: So it's been on my heart um, all morning. I've been trying to fill my drives to work with scripture, with God's word, with sermon. And I've just had this phrase, this one sermon stuck on my heart all morning. And I'm literally asking the Lord, am I supposed to share this? Is this supposed to be for me? Like, I don't want to get up and stand in front of the church, but if God wants it. Um, And the phrase was that our village affects our vision. So this morning, the words that stuck out to me were purpose and identity. And um, in this sermon that I heard, he's talking about how they bring this blind man to Jesus. But Jesus takes him out of the village. Mm -hmm. And he goes into this wonderful point of how God tests his faith because he touches him twice. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, like we all know Jesus could heal you without even having to touch you. And he tells this man not to go back to his village. And Mm -hmm. this village had been condemned because it had condemned Jesus because of their lack of faith, because of Mm -hmm. their unbelief. And so this man had this faith. And Jesus just gives him this wisdom of don't go back to this village Mm -hmm. and just how the people in our lives can help us build bronze Mm -hmm. or help us be broken down.
0: Yeah. How many times do we go back to the village in our mind? You know, back to the way things were.
8: Micah, I'm sorry we can't get past this first question. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Um, uh, What stood out to me um, was kind of funny. You said uh, with the law and I guess trying to do it right and having that checklist, um, an indicator is some days, oh, man, I got it right. I got it right this day and you feel good about it. And then some days it beats you up and you're like, man, I didn't get it right at all. Um, So on the contrary, um, you know, having that relationship with Jesus, it's, it's almost ironic, but I have, (laughs) it's a good thing, but I have no good days because it brings me back to God. I just need you. I'm screwed up every time. It's like, there's nothing that I can do. That's going to add up to me being good. And it, it just brings me back to that not in a bad way, but just the fact that I need a savior. Yeah. I need him yeah. desperately. That's humility.
0: Steve up here.
9: These are good. The thing that really struck me this morning was Paul or Saul being renamed. And he wasn't renamed Because God just, oh, okay, you need a new name. He got renamed because he wasn't Saul anymore. He could not be Saul after the revelation. That's right. And that's the same that's true to us. After a revelation, we cannot be who we were. That's right. And you mentioned the other day about maybe we all need some new names, but... (laughs) It just struck me that it was not just to make him recognizable as an apostle. He wasn't Saul. That's right. A different person.
0: Okay. Oh, Here's one, Paul.
10: Just a practical story of something God said to me just today about verse 6. I've been gnawing on that one for several days. And, you know, where he says, Abraham believed. That's when God counted him as righteous. And a lot of you have heard that I'm starting a business and there's a lot of history to it. When I had the idea, it was years ago. I had the information, I researched, I studied, but it was all just information. And I went through a series of times and seasons of struggling with fear. And the Lord spoke to me about that and addressed that and finally moved me on. And I wasn't even thinking about this verse in terms of where I'm at practically, functionally. And Lord said, when you put the stake in the ground, June 22nd, filed your LLC as a result of what I've been telling you all this time, I counted that as righteousness in you. And every time we believe and act and respond to his revelation, heaven rejoices and God says, that's my righteous son. That's good.
0: All right, let's go to the second question. All right. Because maybe it'll only take one word apiece for that. Okay, Okay. can you name three things that Christ accomplished at the cross that are relevant and practical to your life? Anybody? All right, give me one. Cynthia. Okay, we're not gonna go Name three things that Christ accomplished at the cross that are relevant and practical to your life.
9: For me, it's salvation, my salvation. I mean, I was raised Catholic and had all these rules, regulations, you have to do this, you have to do that. And uh, just to know that he died on the cross for me and loves me for who I am says a lot.
0: So he gave you a relationship instead gave, of religion.
9: He gave me a relationship with okay. him.
0: Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Here we go. Get your exercise in. See, th- this, is, this is important. I mean, how can I fight the enemy with the condemnation and guilt and shame that he brings? If I don't know the adverse, which is what God says about me and has done. I'm just going to fight him with my words. He's He's not impressed by our words. He's impressed by what God has done. And so that's why it's important to say, well, what, what has he worked in my life that I can stand against the enemy with and say, well, that, that's not true. This is true. Sarah, okay.
1: So mine kind of answers one and two. Okay.
4: But you said that. He was dead to the law, but he was alive in Christ. And to me, that but is all capital letters. That's right. There's hope there. There's life. So he gave me hope and he gave me life because this it's not over. Yes, we are dead to the law, but That's right. we're alive in him.
0: That's good. That's very good. That's very important. When I first learned this principle, I tried to walk around dead. I'm just dead. I'm just, I'm just a dead hunk of meat. And somebody said to me one time, well, you're forgetting the second part of that verse. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I live now, I don't live by the law or rules. I live by faith, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay? All right. There's one back there.
1: I don't have to live
0: by my emotions. Oh, you're going to get nasty. I don't have to live by my emotions. I just want you to validate my emotions. Well, what does that mean? Okay, you have them. Where'd they come from? Did they come from the Father? Did they come from the stuff we beat ourselves up with? All right, one more.
9: He he gave me at least nine things. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay. He gave me those at that time through the Holy Spirit. And those are nine things that the law cannot come against. Can't produce. Can't produce. That's right. Can't do it. And every single one of those affect relationships. Yeah. Every single one of them. That's right. That's good. All right.